St. Joseph Radio presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. This is Peter Karutz. I am your host today. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. And we are, as I said, live in studio with Miller, Miller, Sean Miller, uh, who I always mispronounce his name because it's not spelled Miller. <laughs> so Sean is the PSR director at Sacred Heart in New Melly, right? No, it's actually the director of religious education at Immaculate Heart of Mary in New Melly. So what did I say? You said PSR, which that encompasses it, but that's all right. So you're in charge of PSR too? Yeah, in charge of the whole works here. To He's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a, a small uh, chink in the window there. DRE, right? DRE. DRE, yeah. there you go. And what are we going to talk about today? Let's get right to it. Well, uh, last time we met together, we talked about the precepts of the church. So basically, one of the things I do is teach RCIA. Every year, we got to say, what does it mean to be a practicing Catholic? Right. Concretely, it's not just for those people coming in, but for all of us who are listening. For anybody that's in the church teaching, really, everybody should know the precepts of the church, at least in summary, there's five listed in the catechism. The U.S. bishops expanded it to kind of seven and reworded it. So I try to come up with a memory aid, which I like to do in, in this kind of stuff, to break it down to say, what does it mean to be a practicing Catholic? We're going to talk about STREAMS, the seven precepts of the church, S-T-R-E-M-M. That's an acronym, which I'll explain in a second. Right. But when we start these things, and it is the Feast of... St. Augustine, and yeah. uh, and we have a good friend who is uh, a monk. His name is Augustine, so happy feast day. And as the Benedictines say, never start any good work without a prayer. So would you lead us in an opening prayer? Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. <clears throat> Lord, we ask that you would anoint and stir within us, and all who hear these words, your Holy Spirit. Give to this conversation what you gave at Pentecost, the ability to speak and to hear this in a language that will echo in hearts and minds. Wherever we are at in life, whether close or far away from you, help us all to be a light in your light, shining through the darkness, through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So tell me again, we're going to talk about the precepts of the church, and there's some acronym. Yeah, so, uh, you know, precepts, what is a precept? A general rule, a law. This is a guideline. If you think about, like, 
living a life in the Spirit, what does it mean to live a Christian life? Everybody says, oh, I'm a Catholic, but I haven't went to Mass in 10 years. You're like, well, that's not really the goal here. So it's good to say, what does it mean, at least minimally, that the church list is saying, what does it mean to be a practicing Catholic? I mean, all of us are sinners. We all fall short. But it's like there should be some kind of a guide. It's almost like an examination of conscience to say, am I kind of doing the core basic minimum? So it's great for like when I'm teaching people in the RCIA to say, can you do this? Like number one, Sunday Mass and Holy Days. That's what we spent last time talking about. If you can't commit to Sunday Mass and Holy Days, then, you know, it's like saying, I got a job here, but I'm going to show up maybe once every month. Ugh. Yeah. You know. And then, you know, our, our Protestant brothers and sisters will give us a lot of grief for what we're about to talk about. But let's, let's break it down real quickly and real simply. You know, if I go and I find a man dying in the street, hit by a car, bleeding to death onto the, onto the road, I'm going to ask him, you know, are you sorry for your sins? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do do you uh, do you want to ask our Lord for help? Would you commit your life to Him? Yeah. And and that's what we're going to do quickly. And they'll say, Well, you've just preached the whole gospel. And I said, Well, you know what? Uh, I I have touched the surface. But if this man gets well, gets yeah. better, then right. he has a lifetime yeah. to to move forward. When Absolutely. we when we committed to our wives to get married, we knew him kind of well. We made our promises, but did we stop loving them and learning about them? No, it's, it's something we do all our lives. So if we're really going to love someone, we yeah. love our Lord, we better get to know him better. How do we do that? Get to know his church. Yep, and then the church offers us these great guidelines. You know, the, the basic principles, are right, is what we know. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, Ten Commandments, and so forth. So if you try and take this, you know, summary and list all of Scripture, tradition, and life, it's nice if you have some kind of a guideline that's practical. Not to say this general, you know, general view of love. So what I did last time is that I basically just got through Sunday Mass and Holy Days. And so I'm going to power through it as best as I can. You know, S-T-R-E-A-M-S. I'll explain that in a second. But basically, the the seven precepts of the church, you can look this up and listen to last time we, we talked. The bishop lists each of those. And um, and so again, I put this those in a memory to kind of conserve like a cadence of sorts. Now the precepts, the precepts, they're listed in a certain order by the bishops, but I don't think they were listed in a particular order of hierarchical importance, so to speak. So here here's the memory aid. Here we go. Sunday Mass and Holy Days, tithe to God in various ways, renew your life in sacramental grace, evangelize, make the world a holy place, abstain and do penance, especially Fridays, marriage laws protect vows. It's God's way. Study. Know the faith, study, study. So it's a real encouragement at the end to study for confirmation and beyond. It's a great Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Uh So I wanted to kind of connect those two is that really – all of us should be focused on the law of the Lord. What pleases God? I mean, this blows me away. Like, you know, do you want to live your life and ever ask, you know, what is a life that actually pleases God? I mean, do you think we should just say, ah, he revealed himself for nothing? What is a life that pleases God in and, in and through the church? So, again, th- these, these, this acronym is a start. Now, to break it down, maybe more simply, I thought of this the other day. You've all heard this, right? Row, row, row your boat. Yeah, I heard about that. Gently down the stream. Right. So really that that whole nursery rhyme is a metaphor for life. And I thought it could be applicable here too, is that really we're rowing our boat, our life. And if we follow the stream, you know, life will become the dream, which is the goal of our life is what? It's heaven. It's God's dream. So we want to live God's dream for us now. These guidelines can help. So briefly, precepts of the church, their house rules, 
kind of like, you know, we all have family house rules. They're meant to guarantee to the faithful the very necessary minimum in the spirit of prayer and moral effort in the growth of love and God and neighbor. You think about early preaching, Peter and the apostles, you know, change your life, convert. They say, what shall we do? Well, throughout history, the church has answered that saying, here's some principles called precepts. So last time, the first one, most important, Sunday Mass and Holy Days. Yep. So basically, keep holy the day of the Lord's resurrection. Worship God for participating in Mass every Sunday and Holy Day of Obligation. Christ rose from the dead. We just got out of get. To, we <laughs> yeah. have to get out of bed. <laughs> we got to quit worshiping at St. Mattress of the Springs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> no, we actually had a billboard that said get, "Time to get off the perch and get back to church." That's you know. It. So really, I won't go into detail there. But it's not just to go to mass and worship, but it's to actually rest and spend the day keeping it holy. You know, it's a shame. They say about. Um, the national average is about 25%. It's probably less now, you know, in terms of people who attend mass oh, is, on, a, is that right? on a weekly basis. Now, could you imagine you got 10 kids and all of a sudden 7 out of 10 don't show up for Thanksgiving? Do you think you would have failed as a parent? Yeah, how about 7 out of 10 kids? I only, only uh, feed 25% of them. <laughs> right. I mean, it's interesting that to think about this, how many people are staying away from the bread of life? This, right. is, this is sad. So, again, we talked about that last time. Make Sundays holy again. This there is the goal. Go. I said that would be a great thing as a, as a model for all pastors, priests, ministers, whatnot, throughout the uh, week of prayer for Christian Union. We could put it on a hat. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Anyways, um, so let's, let's go to T. So T, I have it here, is tithe to God in various ways. The Trinity of tithe, time, talent, and treasure, a.k.a. known as stewardship, also known as Christian life in the spirit. I use the word tithe here loosely because, you know, people, when they think of tithe, they think about money. And typically this precept has to do with supporting church. We'll speak more about it when we get to evangelize down the road. But but really, the, the, the word tithe is good to say, all right, if I look at my time, talent, and treasure, am I giving a certain percent back? You know, everything is a gift. What am I doing to give back? You know, am I just hoarding it? You know, you think about the stream of the Jordan River, right? If it flows down into the Sea of Galilee, and what makes the Sea of Galilee alive is that it flows in and flows out. But when it keeps flowing down, it goes into the, into the Dead Sea, which is dead. So if you want to be alive in Christ, we have to kind of keep flowing in, flowing out. And so time, talent, and treasure, also known as stewardship. Basically, the church precept, as the bishop stated, is to strengthen and support the church, one's own parish community, parish priest, the worldwide church, and the Holy Father, you know, so... And you've heard of the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Right. Steve Rupp talks about this often, and when, when they talk about the people who volunteer, remember this time, talent, treasure that you're sharing. It's not for the people who you're sharing it with. It's actually for you. You are have the great opportunity to change the world and to serve God's people. This changes you. Serving yeah. the poor yeah. changes the server. Well, I mean, if I would say, if you want to think about what Judgment Day is going to look like, you know, if you want a sneak peek, it's been revealed, Matthew 25, Lord, as often as you did it unto these, you did it un, unto yeah. me. And so our life's a great saint-making machine opportunity, you know, so these people and places and situations that we're into that, that, that are around us, we have to in, invest ourselves, and it's actually God's gift to give us the opportunity to do it, because it's all on loan from Him. Right. But like, we had a, recently had a priest come out to speak uh, at our parish, and he was given this mission appeal. He massively challenged everybody. He's like, look, you know, you all want missionary appeals to come in the summertime when no one pays. You're like, all right, I can't understand the guy. He's from some other country. 
just get it over with. Here's my 20 bucks, whatever, move on. He's like, that is not the spirit of giving. You should say, where can I help? And you think about all the scriptures that support this. I mean, um, there's a great one, 2 Corinthians 9. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So each one must do as he's made up his mind. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and that yeah. that is massive. Oh yeah, you should say, "Wow, Lord, I I'm going to give what I what what I can and to support this cause, for your honor and for your glory." So th- there's no real like tithing plan as such in the church because we don't ever want to put kind of a standard, either maximum or minimum, what you should give. But a tithe is kind of a working goal to say, in my money, in my time, in my gifts, what am I doing to share? (laughs) If I'm doing nothing, it's an examination of conscience. But in terms of money, you know, they say one should strive to give what's right, not what's left. Uh, Matthew Kelly's got a great thing about look at what you give now and try and increase it by 1% every year, you know, just as a kind of a workable goal. If you got an overflow, see what you can do. You know, years ago, I remember this guy told me that they would post what people gave in the parish at the back of the church at the end of the year. It was not a pretty sight. If somebody posted what we gave, what would we do? Now, granted, we can't judge anybody's soul there and heart, but could we strive to be better in what we're doing financially as well as in the other areas of life? My uh, parish's grade school goes to junior achievement, and I would go once in a while. I've gone twice to help to uh, help them put together budgets and how to write checks and all that other stuff. And I would review the budgets and send them back to rewrite it. I say, where is the money you're giving to the church? Write that down on the yeah. top. Boy, my daughters were upset with me, but everyone <laughs> did. I wouldn't accept a single one. But we have to encourage people to write it into their budget. Right. Yep. yep, put it in. If you don't plan it, you won't do it. That's you know, right. What doesn't get measured doesn't get done. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something to ponder. We'll speak more about that when we get into evangelization. But R, STR, renew your life in sacramental grace. So to renew, we're a new creation in Christ. What does He give to us as the two primary sacraments? Church says at Precept 2, to lead a sacramental life, to receive Holy Communion frequently, and the sacrament of penance regularly. You know, you think about this. So give us this day our daily bread. That, that, that's, a, that's a Eucharistic prayer at its heart. You know, everyone is called to make an act of spiritual communion every day. Lord, if I'm not receiving you physically, come at least spiritually into my heart. But you think about this. We're praying this, give us this day our daily bread, and we're not necessarily going to go get it when it's offered every day in the liturgy. I mean, that's a beautiful thing to ponder that this is the bread from heaven that Lord makes manifest in the New Covenant Church that he's raining down through the ministers of the church every day, and we have a chance to go to that. So the church is, yes, minimally Sunday, let's do it. I mean, minimally we're called, if you want to look at the bare minimum precept, is to receive Holy Communion at least once a year. You know? Right. But obviously it's encouraged. During the Easter season. Yep. It's encouraged frequently. And then you think about uh, the sacrament of penance regularly. So, But that doesn't mean you only go to church once a year, right? It's only you only go to you could you you're obligated to go to communion at least once a year, right. but and that means that you should be well prepared to go to communion. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, mass is obligatory for right. practicing Catholic every week, yep. but Holy Communion is not, but minimally once a year. Yep. And yeah, and then what kind of prep work are we doing? So that's where the church says, yeah, get your soul in order, and that's what it encourages us to go to confession again. That's once a year too, is uh, to receive the sacrament of of reconciliation. Now it's um. It's interesting. When, you know, you think about this. Uh, all of us can say we're hypocrites. The church is not a museum of saints, but it's a hospital for sinners. And uh, we've got the sacrament that says we, we have something that, that shows that we're all not perfect. We're all works in progress. 
You know, and so like uh, you think about when's the last time you've been to confession? Why on earth would you not want to go? It's like the same priest that has the power to to change, transform in Christ, you know, bread and wine in his body and blood, also has been given by Christ the power to absolve you, wipe away, wash, annihilate your sins. What what on earth would hold you back from that? Well, we all know what it is. It's pride. Mm-hmm. It's it's whatever. But, you know, the Archbishop Carlson uh, years ago in an article said that think about changing uh, or going to confession as much as you change your oil. You know, every 3,000 miles or so, that could be a great kind of little hallmark uh, for someone to think about, like, time to get the old change? Maybe I need to change the oil. Well, that's a great idea. <laughs> you know, uh, that's fantastic. I used to think I try and go every month, and month turns into two, and I don't, you know, if I have to change my that's good. I have to drive more now. <laughs> yeah. But really, I think at the heart of it, you know, monthly confession will be a remedy for the West. It's a beautiful thing. Our family goes, we've been, since our, you know, our kids have been small, we take them every first Saturday. That's in light of Fatima, that request there, too. You know, I mean, again, confession is about the absolution of sins. It's not just kind of like psychological self-liberation to get things off my chest. It really is saying, God, take the darkness out of my soul and give me light. I mean, an exorcist once said that, you know, the power of going to confession is much more than an exorcism because you're getting light to the soul. And this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. We're with Sean Miller. He is talking about the precepts of the church, and we have this little acronym we're working on called streams yeah, row 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 your birthday. <laughs> stream now, there this we is are great. what are we on this is great so t- uh we're on our Re- renew your life in sacramental grace so this is this is a great little thing here it says a, a psychiatrist once came up to this priest that we knew regarding a patient he had been working with for some time he said to him that you did more in five minutes for her in confession than what i've been able to do in over five years oftentimes it's the lack of admission of guilt that can actually work into the soul's psyche. And, you know, we, we got to get rid of some of this darkness. And here's a sacrament. It's a proper means given to deal with all the baggage, all the guilt, all the sin in our lives. So, you know, again, we shower out of respect for those around us. We should <laughs> cleanse our soul as well. You know, this, this out of respect for those around us. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you want to get. Um, yeah. I, I have, have you ever been around a very holy person? Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm it, around one right now. Oh, you're too kind. No. But, but no, seriously, you, you feel different. Yeah. You, f- you can almost feel it, right? So yeah. getting ourselves right with God helps everybody around us. Yeah, and you know, if, if, if a saint, the, all the saints encourage frequent confession, why on earth would, would, would we not? So yeah. again, to lead into our next point, you know, why do we receive the sacraments regularly? You know, well, think about it. Why do you go to the gas station to get gas, fuel for the journey? Why do you go to get something to eat, all right, food, fuel for the journey? Why do we go to Mass to get spiritually fed, food for the journey, right? So in this journey of life, as we're row, rowing our boat gently down the stream, the whole goal of this is to say, think about what they do at Mass. Go ye therefore and announce the gospel, spread the faith, right? So e, e evangelize, make the world a holy place. Concretely, it says, Church Precept 7, to join in the missionary spirit, and the apostolate of the church. So you think about the Great Commission. Go, therefore, mm-hmm. make disciples of all nations. You know, as the Father sent me, so I also I send you. So, again, it kind of goes back to what we said about tithing is that <clears throat> and time, talent, and treasure. we got to live our lives in and through him, so help us God. And the Great Manifesto is in Matthew 25, where it's the judgment of the nations. And the Lord basically says, as often as you did it unto the least of these, you did it unto me. So the church has broken those down in what's called the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy. And I always have believed that everybody's got a certain disposition to kind of do some of these. Like you're doing the, currently this thing with these with the socks. And, oh, and, yeah, yeah. You know about the socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, 
you know, there's these food drives and, and whatnot, clothing drives. So look at these 14. I won't go through them, the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy and say, you know, what can I do? Because bottom line, uh, we're really going to be judged on love in light of charity for the poor, whether it's the spiritually poor or the physically poor. And I think in, a, in, in, in our country, there's a massive need to help the spiritually poor more so than the physical. I mean, it's, it's both and, but really we've kind of forgot about to admonish, to instruct, to counsel, to comfort, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive, and to pray. Those are the spiritual works. But sometimes I think our focus can be kind of out there, like for the, out in the world. And, and that's true, but really anybody, if you want to think about the 14 corporal and spiritual works of mercy, look no farther than your own family life. I mean, if you think about what parents do for their kids, give drink to the thirsty, clothe, visit, shelter, uh, you know, take care of the sick, feed the hungry. I mean, you know, this is family life. And then you think about the spiritual works, about admonishing, instructing, praying together, et cetera. So this is something that we want to really um, invite and encourage people to say, look at your family life, and then how can I, you know, live these more in a spirit of charity? Right. You know, uh, we had a pastor who, uh, during a month's time, I forget when it was, he encouraged us to exercise, actually perform, each of the corporal works of mercy. And again, it changes you, Yep. right? It changes you. Feed the homeless, bury the dead, visit the home, uh, house the homeless, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you ever want a copy of this program, please, you can ca- call us at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. Remember, this is a two-part series on the precepts of the church, uh, and you'll even have the list of the corporal and spiritual works of mercy in there. Yeah, so part two. So then, interesting. So again, we have to evangelize, make the world a holy place. We have to try and create a society where it's easier for people to become good. And so it's it's love in action. This is Christianity. Now, in terms of like... You know, we've all heard the quote attributed to St. Francis, like, let's go preach, and if necessary, use words, you know, and that's kind of been—we we got to do both. In fact, that quote was never really said it was right. necessarily from him, but we have to use words. You know, this is evangelization. This is speaking. This is about what we're doing, you know. I mean, we're doing this right here, but uh, they say that really evangelization, when Matthew Kelly did a study in the Four Signs of a Dynamic Catholic, that was the weakest linked link, and so— um, but when they asked, like, what did you do to help evangelize, you know, he said, here's what dynamic Catholics were the top six things that they did to help spread the faith. One, they passed books and CDs around. They invited people to Catholic events. They brought a godly perspective in conversations. They learned the Catholic ter- teach certain hot-button issues, and they tried to articulate them. They helped people discover answers to the questions that caused them to doubt the faith, and they uh, just basically try to, you know, become friends with them. And really, that's where all evangelization begins is. Yeah. And pick one is, of them, if you would. Just listen to those. Pick one. Maybe pick the easiest one. Bishop Barron, two weeks ago in his homily, said that. Bring faith into your casual mm. conversation. And it explodes. Just do, yeah. do one of them. There's a great line. I always use it. It's uh, in a book by Trent Horn called uh, Why, Why We're Catholic. And uh-huh. it was about that, um, I guess he's a magician, Penn Gillette, who yep, said, he basically yep. said, there's a story there that says, like, some guy tried to evangelize him after one of his shows, and then he, he you know, he said he really appreciated this guy because he's, he's a fallen away guy himself. And then, long story short, he said, if you thought my salvation was at stake, and there was a real heaven and a real hell, and you thought I might be on a road to perdition, how much would you have to hate me not to be willing to communicate what there you believe you to be for my salvation? So go. we got to kind of think about that, too. So think about maybe one thing each week we can do 
to share our faith uh, with, with someone. So, okay, Sunday Mass and Holy Days, tithe to God in various ways, renew your life in sacramental grace, evangelize, make the world a holy place. So, now a, we're A. A. Abstain and do penance, especially on Fridays. So, you mean not only during Lent? Not only during Lent, oh. but during Fridays. And I'll kind of explain why. So, um, so this church precept number three, it's, it, it spells it out to do penance, including abstaining from meat and fasting from food on the appointed days. And, you know, right from the beginning, the Lord echoes the words of John the Baptist, you know, the kingdom is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, he, he talks about prayer, fasting and almsgiving. Um, you know, St. Paul says, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Mm. So bottom line, the first thing about doing penance, you think about repent, you know, oftentimes we can say, I got to change my behavior. Really, it's change your way of thinking. That's what it literally means. So I got to say, I got to encourage myself to be transformed by the renewal of my mind, you know, and, and try and grow into all these things we've just spoken about, you know, and I need grace to do that. But in, in terms of, of abstinence and, and fasting, right, people mostly think about during Lent. So in the Catechism, it says, um, the fourth precept, you shall observe the days of fasting and abstinence established by the church. It says, it ensures the times of ascesis and penance, which prepare us for the liturgical feast and help us acquire mastery over our instincts and freedom of heart. Basically, the term ascesis is like, you know, growing in self-mastery, denying oneself to become excellent in something else, freedom for excellence. We know in any skill, any art, if you're trying to learn the piano, you just, you know, I can play the piano, I can bang on the keys, but that's not real freedom. I've disciplined my, my, my will, my mind, and so forth to kind of finesse it so I can play well. We all know that with the Olympics over too, right? Look at what they have to undergo in self-denial to be, have really excellence in their art, in their sport. So bottom line, if you think about this, um, all, all these things are really meant to say um, it's to help me have more self-mastery, self-control, a virtue that's very much needed in our day and age, right? So it's not an end in and of itself. And so first of all, just think about like um, bodily disciplines that one can undergo. I mean, like, let's face it, right now fasting is like on the cultural uh, headlines yeah. about growing in bodily fitness and mind and whatnot, you know, and it's like, well, this has been kind of reached. We've been doing this for a <laughs> couple of millennia now. Yeah. And I guess if the church doesn't preach it, somehow the secular world picks it up in some yeah. way. But if you think about this, you know, like, you know, um, you know, think about fasting as like, you know, denial of, of food we do, but you, you know, we can fast from all kinds of stuff. You know, we can fast from television. We can fast from, you know, various times of, of speaking or not speaking, but there's a, there's, I mean, if you just do a quick search, you can look at like, give me some mortifications that are, uh, that I could possibly do. It could be like at every meal, maybe I give up salt, ketchup, the cake, the drink, whatever. We can do these things daily, daily mortifications to kind of to show that we're the masters of our own choices and that the masters over us. You know, like they say, because of the fall of man, the appetites and the instincts come, come more to the fore. We, we do what we don't want to do. Paul says that. The good that I want to do, that I don't. The bad that I don't want to do, that which is I do. Lord, help me. Thanks be to God through, for Jesus. So the, the, the grace of these things God gives us to help us to overcome, to respond to him, to make sure that we're kind of choosing rightly. So 
makes us better people at whatever we're doing. Yeah. I mean, do you want to raise a person? If someone wants to marry your daughter, uh, do you want a person, him to be in control of himself? Or Absolutely. Not? <laughs> you know? You know, there was a there's a story about Larry Bird being interviewed, and, and the guy says, uh, "You know, you, you you don't jump very well. You you, you shoot like a duck. You, it, it, I think it's just luck that the ball goes in the basket." <laughs> and uh, in the end, you got to take into consideration what did he do? He played practiced an hour or two hours before right. every game. He took a hundred jump shots. The luckier he got, right? The more you practice, the less you got. That's what we're doing. We're practicing the faith. So come on back in about two minutes, and we're going to talk about how we can become better Catholics and Christians and love the Lord more. Tell a friend. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And we're back. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents. And uh, let me just remind you, you can find us on YouTube, too. And uh, call, up, call us up if you want a copy of this program. One last, final, last reminder about the Catholic Woman of the Year. Our new archbishop has encouraged us to start this, and we have done it. So if you have a worthy woman to uh, nominate as the Catholic Woman of the Year, please give us a call. Oh, by the way... Just remember, when you say I'm going to nominate you, of course the answer is going to be, oh, you can't do that, I don't want to do it. That, that just means they're probably qualified to be the Catholic Woman of the Year. So give us a ring, 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000, or find us on the web at saintjosephradio.net, and that's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. We're here live with... Sean Mueller, Miller, I almost said it wrong again, and we're okay. talking about the precepts of the church. Yes, it were, uh, we were just kind of ending up on the one about um, abstaining due penance, especially Fridays. I say Fridays because, you know, every Sunday is a little Easter, 
you know, and every Friday is like a little Good Friday. So that Friday's a day of penance in, in honor of what the Lord did for us on Friday. So, so really, um, we've kind of lost sight of this, but it's like all Fridays of the church year are particular days of penance. If Catholics do not abstain from meat on Fridays outside of Lent, they are asked to do some form of penance or work or mercy nevertheless. So sometimes we got that wrong. We think, oh, you know, Pope Paul VI in 1966, he says, okay, no longer is abstinence from meat going to be a mandatory discipline for all Catholics because there was a lot of people in the world that wouldn't have meat any day of the week anyway, so it wasn't really a penance for them. Well, do something. <laughs> and, and look, my wife and I, on, on a Friday or on any day, we kind of like fish. So it's no penance to give up meat, <laughs> well, but yeah. do something. Right. So a, a kind of a default mode, I think, really should be abstinence from meat because it's simple to remind that. But really, uh, anything that's an act of penance is what we're supposed to be doing on Fridays. I mean, if you think about this daily, um, one of the practices Catholics have in regard to fasting um, is to fast an hour before Holy Communion. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's to kind of prepare ourselves for the grace. So every Friday is kind of like a preparation for the grace of, of the sacrament, especially on Sunday. In, in terms of the Fridays in Lent, you know, it's still... The mandatory discipline that we abstain from uh, meat during Lent here uh, in the U.S. And so basically, you know, there's the law of fast for, you know, Ash Wednesday at the beginning and Good Friday at the end of, of, of Lent. I mean, rather than go into the details of that, you know, bottom line, it's to abstain from, um, you know, certain foods like meat, you know, and then only have like basically one meal for the day right. and, and then maybe two small snacks. But, but really, um, you know, again, why are we giving up meat? Because it's kind of, uh, meat was always a pleasure food. It was in, in honor of the Lord offering his own flesh up for the life of the world. So, so we, we do these things during Lent in particular as a season, but really every Friday is meant to be kind of a little good Friday and to offer that up prayers, works, joys, and sufferings to do penance, and to do reparation for sins of the world, to unite with the Redeemer, and, and, and to do these things as acts of love. So it's actually getting out there and evangelizing, too, to make the world this holy place. Okay? So now we go on to M. Marriage laws protect vows. It's God's way. So basically to observe the marriage laws of the church, the actual, actual precept. Now there's a whole section in canon law about marriage. And let's face it, we're in a time where marriage is under a, attack. You know, uh, in fact, in Fatima... Sister Lucia said the final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan will be about marriage and the family. That's, yeah. that's some pretty telling stuff. We all right. know it in, in, in our times. We've redefined marriage, you know, and who, who is to say what definition of, uh, is it? You know, is it man's? Is it God's? Is it the court's? We say God is the author of marriage, so it's only marriage to the extent that it, it conforms to God's design for it. So these marriage laws protect God's design for marriage, and he gives us vows to do so. And marriage, even if you go through the secular society and, and go back several millennia, it has always been one man and one woman. Even in societies that didn't have a problem with homosexuality, yeah. you never married a man, you, a man a, married a man, a woman. It was always like that. And as our Lord says, from the beginning, yeah. it was one man, one yeah. woman. And so we shouldn't be surprised if we stand up for things. I always say John the Baptist and St. Thomas More lost their heads. Right. for their views on yeah. marriage. It's what it came down to. That's and true. oftentimes today, this cultural push, we're going to have some kickback. You know what I mean? Even even like everybody's got family members that are getting married outside of the church right. or they've been married outside of the church. And like, you know, I, I looked uh, one time on Catholic Answers, I looked at uh, like they said one of the main number one questions they're asked is should I attend the wedding or not? When someone in their right. family gets married outside of the church, outside of the marriage laws, 
what are we doing if we're going to it and we don't really agree with the situation, but we still we want to show our love and support. So, like, how do you finesse that? I would say go to Catholic Answers and look at their answer. Sure. Because bottom line, marriage is a covenant. It's sacred. It's sacramental. I mean, they talk about the high C of covenant, right? Um you know, covenant is what two people share that I am yours, you are mine. If you recall in the Old Testament, when you made a covenant with somebody, you would take an animal, cut it in two, walk through it. It was called the cutting of the covenant. You would you would drench yourself in its blood, so to speak, and put that blood of the animal on, on yours. And you say, if I don't keep my end of the covenant, may what happened to this animal happen to me? And you can still see that today with couples. When they walk up the aisle, you got side A, side B. They walk up, they make a covenant profession before God, and they share it in a communion meal. And then that's what makes family. So you've got this this covenant bond by the Creator, and it's based upon what? Again, the three C's. This is like the uh, the marriage laws, you could say. <laughs> to make it simple, if you want to get married, you got to have the capacity for marriage. You got to be psychologically at least matured to know what you're saying. You got to have the consent. It's got to be free. It can't be coerced. And for Catholics, it's got to be the according to the code. That means in front of a a priest or a deacon, you know, some representative minister to make sure that you're doing it that the vows are safeguarded, you know. So we've got rules like this to safeguard the vows. Now, there can be various dispensations granted for these things. But again, marriage is the bedrock of society. And it's like, if we get it wrong on this, we're causing massive fractures. You know, and again, I could go into each of these at at, at length, but um, one of the things I want to say in terms of of the vows, I mean, realize this, that when you're a bride or a groom, you were the one who were, who was giving the sacrament to each other. So Quite that, literally, you got to say that again because we we say, "Oh, the priest married me," etc. It isn't so. The priest is just the witness to the, the sacrament that you are giving. So your word, the best way you can, I say, to prepare for marriage is to be a truth teller, to speak the truth. Because if you are giving your word and you're not meaning what you say or say what you mean. It's involved by its very nature because God's not going to enter into this line. Now, granted, we're all weak and, and, and sinful or whatever, you know. We're saying words that we say only with God's grace can I live this out. But actually, you're the ones giving it to each other. And the priest is there to kind of recognize it. So you could say that the exchange of vows properly witnessed by the church is the form of the sacrament. And the very bodies of husband and wife make up the matter. I mean, every sacrament's got form and, and matter. So you are the ones. So again, you know, like you, you can't alter these vows. Like people say, oh, I want to make my own vows and it's so beautiful. Like if you say, well, um, what if you said, I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, but after three years, we're going to reevaluate. You know, this one guy said he went to a, a wedding where the couple made their own vows and said they would love each other as long as love shall last. So he sent them paper plates as a gift. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> we all know, right, the feeling of love can fade. Right. Right. How well, love ex- and true love is not a feeling per se. It's an action. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a direct, you, it's a direction of one's will. So, you know, the, the gift of the vows before God is this. You know, like uh, my wife and I, we've done marriage prep for probably a couple hundred couples. We had one recently that met in our home. It was great. I asked, I, right from the get-go, I said, you know, why do you want to get married in the church? Yeah. And he goes, well, if I didn't get married in the church, why would I want to get married at all? I mean, why not live together? You know, his view is this. I go before God to get the grace of the sacrament to live out what I'm saying to my spouse. I mean, he didn't say that in so many words, but it's like you get married in the church to go before God and man and each other and publicly witness to this love. If, if your love remains private, if you don't have the, the wherewithal to make it public, it's like what kind of vows is it? You know, really, what, what what kind of a binding thing is this? So one of the real gifts of the sacramental grace of marriage is this. 
is that your guaranteed grace is bestowed from God to be able to reach beyond yourself in order to love in a way that would otherwise be impossible. You know, you're promising yourself in a way that only God can help you do it. So that's why the church is big on preparation. We've got to do a, probably a better job of that as a church to prepare these couples because you're making a covenant bond till death do you part. So help me God. You right. Know? So um, the church is big on consent. Again, psychological capacity, maturity, ability to, to say what you mean, mean what you say. And this consent must be free. Like we've all heard about the shotgun wedding where right. you're like, you know, you're doing out of fear or coercion. Yeah. That's not going to make a marriage um, valid, you know. So you're, you're, you have to have this consent that's truly free. And this is what I love about, like, if you look at the vows themselves, right, they're asking the very things that we're, we're saying here. Have you come here to enter into marriage without coercion, freely and wholeheartedly? Are you prepared as you follow the path of marriage to love and honor each other for as long as you both shall live? Are you prepared to accept children lovingly from God and to bring them up according to the law of Christ and his church? Free, total, faithful, fruitful. That's what Jason Everett says in all of his books and Christopher West and whatnot, you know. And bottom line, you know, we we, we got to say it that like, um, you know, every year in our CIA, I, I, you know, these people that come to me and it's great. They're there. They want to change life. But oftentimes they've been previously divorced and remarried. There's been no annulment. They don't know what that is. I try to explain it, but it seems like these arbitrary laws and, and who are you? And fundamentally, uh, you, you have to say this, this is kind of hard to hear, but the church doesn't believe in polygamy whether multiple marriages at one time or multiple marriages one after the other. We believe that a covenant bond is, is one till death do you part. And so if you've been in a situation like this, the church has this procedure called the annulment process to see if at the time you made your vows, was it fully free, total, faithful, and fruitful? Did you mean what you say and say what you meant? Did you have the capacity to do so? Because we presume the marriage is valid until shown otherwise. Because we want to safeguard. This is God's, it's an echo of God's love for the world, Christ's love for the church. We don't take this stuff lightly. You know, but the problem is, nowadays you're like, well, who are you to tell me what to do? Right. Yeah. And you're like, it's all about me. It's like, well, I'm trying to show that this is, this is something that's holy and beautiful, and we got to look at this. So, you know, again, because we all know divorce, it's 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 not good. No one wants to get intermarried saying, boy, I, I can't wait to split up with you in five years after we have three kids and their lives are somewhat jaded. So you got to say, we want to give you the best spot before God and man and the grace necessary to live out what you say. Yeah. You know? And let's talk about some some hard stuff about marriage and some easy stuff. Hard stuff. You know, Benedict said at one point in time that he thinks that many marriages are invalid. That doesn't mean we presume them to be invalid. We mean we presume all all marriages to be valid. But that means we've we've have real problem in the process where we prepare to get married. Yeah. And if you are in an irregular marriage, right? You're you're not married in the church. You're you're not uh, whatever it is irregular, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, know that the church is on your side. We want to regularize your marriage. Go see your pastor. Start the process. Jeez, you, you might not just need a five-minute ceremony to regularize your marriage. I, I greet most people who baptize their children in my church. and I, I come out of adoration, and there's a child being baptized. And one day, I come out of adoration, and I don't see anybody. They're all at the front of the church, and the priest is standing in front, and the two parents are there, and the children are wandering around. And I'm like, what's going on? This couple brought their child to be baptized, and in the process of preparing for baptism, they realized they, they have a five-minute ceremony to regularize their yeah, marriage. Yeah. 
it can be done. See your pastor. Well, the beautiful thing, too, is like, um, it's kind of like this. There is a bank of grace available. And just imagine, use the term of, of money. Here's a bank of money for you, and here's an ATM card. But you say, I, I, I'm not going to learn how to use the card, or I don't know how to put in the numbers. Well, you're never going to get the funds. Well, sometimes people who are in these situations, they're missing out on a stream of grace for their marriage, for the life, the beauty, the joy, the goodness, the virtues and whatnot, because they're like, well, you know what? I don't want to arbitrarily follow these, you know, so-called whatever. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, this is a gift, you know, study more of what the church is about. It's it's a beautiful thing, you know, so this, these, these vows, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Again, it's to safeguard. All, all these guidelines, you look at like a fence. It's not to keep people out. It's to protect those within. And so all these guidelines and rules and so forth, it's like every parent knows. It's to protect you, to have have fun. You know, you can truly have fun when you know that you don't have to worry about falling off of a cliff. That's why we have these fences and so forth in, in place. So, so bottom line in all this, and I would say, you know, anytime you have something where kind of rubs you the wrong way, you're not sure, it's a, you know, you're like, I don't know about that, you know, read, study, learn. I mean, there's a great section in Catechism 2383, 2386, it speaks about annulments, divorce, separation, uh, all all what marriage is. Read the Catechism section on on marriage and strive to live it. I mean, um, I remember the story of this couple, they were going to, they were going to get divorced and they went to the church. They said, father, tell us how we get out of this. He goes, wait, before you all take this step, I want you to do a few things. I want you to read this section of the catechism. I want you to read this in the Bible. I want you to read what St. Paul says about marriage. Well, they went home, changed their life, and now they're doing a marriage ministry for couples who are in, you know, Pope Francis, Pope Francis made the process of annulment more streamlined. So that's better. As you said, read the catechism. And why does why are we going through these hoops and and why are we doing all of this? Let's be real. So, so-called second marriages fail more frequently than first marriages. Yeah. Look, this examination, this preparation is is a yes from the church. The church is saying yes to you. They want you to be happy. They want you to be fruitful. They want you to have loving, lasting marriages. And we're just trying to do the exercise, the work, the discipline that's required in order to get there. So yeah. go if you're not if your marriage isn't regular, read the catechism, see your pastor, ask a good Catholic and start exploring it. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, we are uh, here live in studio with Sean Miller, and we're talking about the precepts of the church, and we are down to the last The last one. Letter. So you think about this. You know, at the end of the day, we're meant to live a holy life, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Study is the last precept, and uh, it's to study in preparation for the sacrament of confirmation, to be confirmed, and then continue to study to advance the cause of Christ. It, it overlaps with the other ones that we've spoken about, but... You know, at the end of the day, the Lord says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The word mind is added there then from what the quote was originally in the book of Deuteronomy. And I think about this, you know, repentance, conversion of mind. All of us have got to try and say, I can really do better in rising above. I think the religious ignorance that we have today and age is is massive. And, um, you know, granted, no one wants to, no one's going to be a theological dictionary. And you know, even the work that I do, it's hard to recall all the stuff that comes to mind and put it in a three-minute soundbite to make somebody intellectually and emotionally satisfied and whatnot. But it's like, okay, hey, do the work. If this is a complex issue or something, 
don't just don't just accept a 30 second answer from someone who might not be informed you know do some study i mean all throughout scripture um you know there's this encouragement to to get your mind and heart you know with god 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence, right? You know, we have to kind of put our minds there and um, be willing to try and be a billboard for the for the faith, a, a voice for the faith. You know, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. We've got to kind of soak ourselves in Scripture. All this in RCA for the year is to prepare people for confirmation. But, uh, you know, think about this. You know, would you want to send somebody out on, on a battle if they've never went through boot camp, never been prepared, don't know how to work a gun, don't know what teamwork is, don't know how to follow orders and whatnot? You know, it's the same thing. Like, really, the church on earth is a church militant, so that we're the ones doing the fighting. Right. So we're the ones out there, and we're supposed to have the weapons. That's what confirmation is. It's to spread and defend the faith. And it's like, we really almost feel like, I feel like we're kind of all just hunkering down in, the, in our own trench rather than getting out there. And I think, um, you know, again... Everybody's got to find out where they're called at and how they can spread the faith in their own little circle of influence. It's very difficult with family members and whatnot, you know. So I always say God sent other people in my family members' lives because, you know, the more you try to do it, the, the worse it could become. But uh, the, the first thing we got to do is if you can't get what you don't have, you, you have to try and get it. And what's that? So you have to study these things. And really the best and easiest way to study is just start reading books. Sure. <laughs> we got a church library. And uh, it's not – that difficult just to start, you know, and then maybe chart it like, you know, how many books have I read this past year? Instead of saying, hey, what you been up to? I think a great line should be like, you know, what what you been reading lately, you know? And they're like, what? Yeah, you know, I'm a human being. I can read. I got the gift of sight. Wow, I can think. I should be able to be a reader. I'm not like an animal, you know? And there's that, well, you know, and it's to encourage people to start reading. Uh, and in fact, like one of the four signs of a dynamic Catholic, Matthew Kelly speaks about, you know, study. And uh, he just said this, if you read five pages of a great Catholic book every day, five pages a day is 1,825 pages in a year, 18,250 in a decade, and 45, 625 pages over 25 years. That's 228 books with lot. an average length of 200 pages. So, I mean, do you think about yourself, can, can, you, can you do that? Can you study? Yeah, I think everybody could. And it's a shame that why don't we? Well... You know, like I've, over the years, I've had people say, you know, I've tried to read the Bible. It's just, you know, like I had a relative say, you know, do they have like a precious moments Bible that I can read with a lot of pictures? So I said, well, you know what? That's a great place to start. Like I've got this uh, little booklet here uh, in front of us called The Precepts of the Church. And it's this great series of St. Joseph picture books by Father Levasic. And uh, it's great. Whenever I do RCIA, I always give them 15 of these different types of books to start with, because I said, this is what I read as I started my way back. I give them the St. Joseph picture Bible. I said, this is not to insult your intelligence, but it's to get you started. Then I say, all right, here's one of these books is called the first catechism. And I said, then there's a thing called the penny catechism. You can get that online. It's Q and a two or 300 questions. You know, who is God? What is G who is Jesus? What is the church? Then I say, then read this, baby. This is the catechism of the Catholic Church. So, I mean, this is the horse's mouth. Don't follow what Uncle Charlie Catholic, who's fallen away from the church, says. Read it here. And, and then I give them like a 2,000 Q&A to systematically go through it so at least they're exposed to the general teaching of, of, the, of the church. Because if someone becomes Catholic, you want them to be exposed to at least the heart of it. So, again, that's under the banner of salt, sacraments, apostles, creed, Lord's Prayer, Ten Commandments. So they've kind of read through that. And then... I load them down with all kinds of talks and witnesses and whatnot. So 
the goal is wherever you're at, not to be overwhelmed. I mean, I, I know the faith is massive, and it's frustrating because it seems like the more you read, the more windows are open to keep reading more, and you're like, okay, what do I really understand? <laughs> That's why, like, for these things, they try to put it in kind of memory aids and whatnot just to kind of help it make it, you know, in bite-sized bits. So um, anyways, it's, it's a goal. So just to kind of review... So here, here's the first scripture we start out with. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in, in its season, and its leaves leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. So do you think you can remember these from a memory aid, right? Sunday Mass and Holy Days. Stream. Yep. Tithe to God in various ways. Renew your life in sacramental grace. Evangelize, make the world a holy place. Abstain and do penance, especially Fridays. Marriage laws, protect vows, it's God's way. Study, know the faith. Study, defend the faith. Study, share the faith. So God willing, if we're going to row, row, row your boat gently down these streams. There you go. Life will become a dream. You know, we're, we're both living this dream it's a practical guideline, and then God willing, uh, we'll have the dream fulfilled and the beatific vision in heaven. But yeah. I think it's a great guideline for the church to give us. It is. And, and hopefully everybody who's kind of heard this will say, you know, I can I can really think about this, and I can do an examination of conscience of, of sorts to say, have I been doing this? You know, do I go to Sunday Mass and Holy Days? Do I give it my time, talent, and treasure? Do I um, receive these sacraments? When's the last time I've really been to confession, you know, uh, and gave a sincere one? How come I re- maybe might refuse to go regularly? And have I ever tried to evangelize? What about the corporal and spiritual works? Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of abstinence, what's my Fridays look like? Have I ever even thought about doing something on Friday as an act of penance? You know, marriage laws. Am I in a situation that maybe is not ideal? Have I uh, really lived out what the vows mean? Fruitful union, whatever. You know, that's a whole other area we could get into. And then, you know, study. Am I a person that tries to say, I'm going to, Use my mind to serve the Lord, so help me God while I still have it, <laughs> and uh, and try and be a light in, in, in this world. And so. maybe I'll just add one more thing to the study. Uh, I mean, it's sort of the obvious. We're, we're here talking on the radio. So part of the study can be when you're in the car or, not, or in your house, turn on the radio, turn on Catholic radio. I can't tell you how many people I've heard say, I came back to the church because of Catholic radio. Yeah. It, it's just the start. We have touched the surface. I remember the first time I remember hearing Catholic radio. I remember the street I was on. I was going home from work, and there was a guy on it. It was, uh, I think, Jimmy Aiken, and he was talking about a magazine called This Rock. Yeah. And they were, t- and I thought, wait a minute. This is not Protestant radio. This is Catholic radio. It, so the new evangelization gives us a no-excuse type of circumstance. We have the radio, we have podcasts, we have YouTube, we have videos, uh, we have CDs, we have all kinds of things. And let me ask you this, parents, and I'll talk to ourselves here. What if we said to our children, you know, y'all have made it through eighth grade, I think it's time to get out in the world, stop all this book stuff. You know, we'd say you're neglectful parents, but we do that in our faith, right? We get to eighth grade, we're confirmed, and we, we, we just stop studying. Nobody in any kind of profession or any parent would allow their children or us ourselves to stop learning at eighth grade with confession. I, I'm sorry, with confirmation. Right. Let's do it. Let's read those five pages as the dynamic Catholic. 
uh, Matthew yeah. Kelly let's said. Let's do it. We got let's do it. And let's challenge ourselves to exercise those corporal works of mercy. Bring faith into common language. Sean, thanks so much. And Good tell your here. friends to come back next week. All right. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.